0: Welcome to Carrots and Suffering. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. We're about maybe four episodes from our Season 1 finale that we're calling Book 1. No spoilers here, but it ends on a cliffhanger that implies a second book. We've already started recording it, so it's definitely going to happen. This is Episode 36, and things are starting to get dark, as being declared an enemy of the Fairy Queen seems to have two of our heroes exiled from their houses. On the upside, we finally get to zoom in on House Lunari which Julie has made dozens of character sketches and short stories for, and has been waiting 35 episodes to pull out. Let's get moving. Last time, on Carrots and Suffering. Silpha and Lady Mason, a recurring social villain, trying to bring back blood magic to her house, seems to reach an accord that makes everyone feel a little icky.
1: If you think keeping people in ignorance will protect them, I disagree.
0: I like you, Silpha. You remind me of myself. If Lord Mentor is ever out of this picture, I can assure you that we will pursue an alliance again. Jalen pops into the guild to discover that exactly three members of the guild were spared by the Were-Rat Massacre. The diggers, trying to keep a decade-old digging project going.
2: She, like, hugs them. I, I, I can't tell you how happy I am to see you here.
0: They're so dirty. Holy, and like, she doesn't give a shit. On the way to home to tell her family the good news, Jalen gets a message to stay away, which she disobeys, leading to an agonizing fight with her father, Kylan. You know, I've got two agreements. I paid for one, and the other one is that enemies of the Fairy Queen cannot be abided in my presence. I'm sorry. And he picks a sword up off the wall, and turns to face you, and then rams it through his own foot. An impromptu court session happens at House Varathi, where Jennifer Varathi, recently saved by our hero Sable from the Fairy Realm, asserts her claim as Baroness and takes the title and duties from Sable. Lord Mentor, I am the rightful heir of House Varathi, and I have been for 200 years. Your legal documents were distorted in their recollection of my death. Since all 300 people came out of the Thorns, and they all took a deal to do the Fairy Queen's bidding for 24 hours. That's 300 sleeper agents that pose a direct threat to Sable and her friends, sending Sable out of the house.
3: Am I out of the house?
0: There will always be a room here for you, should you correct the issue before us.
3: So I have no place until that
0: time. Sable learned that as the last member of the Circle to Moon, she's a single point of failure for countless agreements, including one very important one. When the kingdom was first founded, all agreements came through the Circle of the Moon. Should the Circle of the Moon be eliminated, many of those agreements would struggle. Some would be violated, some would be eliminated. It's hard to know the ramifications. I see. At a minimum, the partnership between Marigold Varathi and the Lady would be terminated.
3: And I'm sure that that would make the Fairy Queen unhappy.
0: Well... If your marriage were dissolved, you would be upset. And a reminder, because people ask, Phrenemic is a friend code language our heroes invented in episode zero. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, my name is Nate, and I will be your dungeon master.
3: Hi, I'm Julie. I play Selpho the Wizard. I'm Mandy. I play Jalen the Rogue. And I'm Sandra, and I play Sable, the druid.
0: We are going to start with Sylpha at House Mason. Sable and Jalen have left, and you're still at House Mason, so unless you tell me otherwise. What would you like to do?
1: Everyone had been milling about outside, packing up wagons, so Sylpha will run up to the Lady Miev and tell her her plans.
0: You find Lady Miev, she's got a heart the size of a small boulder, not like the big ones that were being thrown at people, but a sizable boulder that appears to be made of solid ice, loaded into the back of a wagon. Riley is sort of sitting with it, guarding it. He looks better than he did yesterday by a lot, but not great. And the den mother, Carolina, Riley's wife, is sitting with him on the back. Miev turns to face you and says, "Sofa, any last coordinating we need to do?
1: Yes. Jalen and Sable have left already, Lady Miev, and I was going to run to town and complete some errands and pack up my things, but if you would meet at the townhouse, I can make sure that everything is coordinated and provide an escort to our country estate.
0: That sounds wonderful, and she looks down the rows of carts that are being packed up, and it looks like the kids are mostly ready to go, but the Masons are still trying to get things into carts, and she says, we'll be about an hour behind you.
1: Fantastic. And so. Sylpha will start to head off when we're maybe 10-15 minutes into the, the center of town. Sylpha will use the Alter Self spell to disguise herself in an inconspicuous place. She looks very similar to, to Sylpha, but has much more pointed features and dark black hair with raven feathers running through it and she stops and puts on oh my god way too much eyeliner (laughs) and pulls her black cloak around herself she's still wearing selfless clothes of course underneath but otherwise looks pretty nondescript and she will head immediately to thalia's apothecary
0: okay you can head into thalia's without too much trouble you're a stranger in a not very big town but you you don't get a lot of attention, it's still very early. So you can slip into Thalia's shop, which is just opened. Thalia looks pretty sleepy, she's still got a pretty adorable gnomish bedhead around her fox ears. Looks up and says, Oh, um.
1: Hi, uh, Thalia, you don't know me. My name's uh, Raven. I'm here on behalf of my friend, Silfa, the wizard.
0: Oh, y- yes, uh, Silpha's an excellent customer. Tell me, what, what what can I do for you?
1: Well, first of all, Silfa wanted you to know that some events have transpired, which may make it a little difficult for her to make it into your shop on the regular. I'm afraid with current events, she made it onto someone's list of persona non grata, shall we say. But... I believe there was a favor she was working on for you, and she wants you to know that she is working very hard on its completion. And furthermore, she gave me a, a gift for you. Well, she said you would find it useful in healing potions. It's uh, troll blood. Oh. And she plunks down a vial of
0: the troll blood. That is incredibly useful. Yes, I will turn this into uh, healing potions immediately. This is fantastic. This is tremendously helpful. Troll blood as a core ingredient will increase my healing potion output for some time. Uh, Thank you.
1: I believe that there are two troll corpses at the Mason Estate that they would probably happily part with for uh, a bargain basement price. You'd probably just have to collect them yourself.
0: I see. Yes, Uh, this is wonderful news. Uh, Do you need anything before I close up shop? Then I'm going to head out immediately.
1: I do. I have a retinue of things that Sylpha wanted me to purchase for her. I would like... Three healing potions, some of your finest pipeweed, and one of your famous, like, potions of prevention. I think I think she started seeing someone, and you know, you can never be too prepared.
0: Mmm, very important. And she disappears behind the counter and comes out with a handful of vials.
1: Do you have any any advice I could pass on to Silpha about said status of enemy of so-and-so? So, it's it's definitely a wink wink enemy of the fairy queen.
0: Yeah, she picks up what you're laying down and says, Oh, that is. Honestly, that's news to me that there is this enemy of so and so out there. Let me see what I have. And she starts digging around under the counters. And you actually hear a trapdoor pop open on the floor. And she pulls out a pretty heavy wooden chest and sets it down and flips it open. And inside is a bunch of cold iron horseshoes. And she pulls out probably six of them, and says, you know what, and she drops them all back in and slides the whole case across. Fairies don't particularly care for cold iron things, and so, yes, hang these around whatever space you're in, and, well, that should ward them off, well, mostly. Wow. I do what I can for any friend of Silpha's, a friend of mine, and it's always good to have a wizard owe you a favor. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have some troll corpses to collect.
1: Wonderful, and Silpha will depart the shop.
0: Alright. She, little Thalia, follows you out, locks the door behind you, and goes skipping off.
1: <laughs> Yay. <laughs> da, 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 da. Silpha's next step is to go home, so in the alley behind the house, she shifts back into Silfa and runs up the steps through the
0: door. You get through the door, you immediately bump into your mother, who is up kind of early for your mother, who turns around and says, Silpha, what, what did you do with your eye makeup? It's outrageous.
3: Oh,
1: I I was just trying something new. Is it bad?
0: (laughs) Uh, not bad. It just doesn't quite fit you so much. It's very, um...
1: What do you think if I dyed my hair black? Would it go with this eye makeup then?
0: Yeah, no, that would work wonderfully. But, uh, you know, I prefer your hair white. It's very pretty. Anyway, your father had to get up early and go wander the town. Apparently there was some big attack at House Mason from the Thorns and the whole city's concerned for their safety, so that all of the guards are out and about.
1: As they should be. Listen, Mama, current events being what they are, I think I'm going to be staying at the country estate for some time, and, well, I, I know you don't mean anything by it, but I would prefer it if you would not share my location with anyone, or the location of my friends, if you should know it. Particularly with the Regent.
0: I can do that, dear, but, um, well, I'm sure he'll find out some other way, but I'll do what I can. If you'll excuse me, I've heard that there's an impromptu court session actually at House Varathy, and I need to go attend. Apparently, 30 or 40 people wandered into town from the Thorns last night. <laughs>
1: It shall be an illuminating court session. A, a lot has happened.
0: Oh, well, I, I look forward to it. If you'll excuse me, I have a carriage to catch.
1: So Silpha nods to her mother and runs upstairs and begins packing things.
0: All right. So when you get upstairs, Skrix is perched on the windowsill, making little soft, chittering noises. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and when you come in, Skrix sort of turns its head at you and says, "Silpha." You'll never believe it. There's a robin outside.
1: I do believe it. There are many of birds outside. I was thinking, perhaps you would like to come with me to a place where there are many birds.
0: Yes, we should go where the birds are. That, that would be so much fun. Skrix hops down and stretches and says, Oh, and hot gossip on the Spirit Network, if you're interested.
1: Yes, I was going to ask you if some of that gossip would affect our working relationship i've been declared an enemy of someone and well i i know what you are but i don't want to make things difficult for you
0: i don't know what you're talking about but on the hot gossip network <laughs> There's a a tremendous number of powerful objects being pulled together nearby, and all the spirits of power are interested. It's going to be a fascinating moment. I don't know who did it, but oh boy, it's going to be fun. We should take a detour and go see it. (laughs) Yes, we should totally take a
3: quote-unquote detour and go see it. Why don't we travel
1: to where we're going and get settled and perhaps determine if we should make a detour at that point? Oh,
0: well, all right, but you definitely don't want to miss it. I mean, I am a spirit of knowledge, and I'd like to really know what happens. It's going to be fascinating. There hasn't been this much power in one place in a long time. Skrix hops up on your shoulder.
3: Oh, Skrix is a shoulder cat. Sofa will nuzzle
1: Skrix's face.
0: Skrix gives you a a thorough purr and settles down on your shoulder to just ride you around rather than walk.
1: Yes, and I think where we're going, you will You'll find a lot of things to capture your attention, and I shall be more reliant upon you than ever. Oh, okay. Great. I can introduce you to some people who would love to play with you. I mean, uh, to be your playthings.
0: Perfect. <laughs> Quick, gather your things. So she will continue
1: packing. She goes into the study at some point, and we see her turn off a kind of bubbling apparatus and reach in with a pair of tongs to remove from this beaker of of liquid uh, this kind of opalescent stone which she dries off and puts into a pouch this is her transmuter stone
0: gricks comments as you're putting it away oh good work very nice i don't even think Miev has a transmuter stone
1: i'm quite pleased with it we'll see how it how it works i wish i could have let it go longer
0: well yes of course but you know every bit helps and frankly getting accustomed to the basics is very important An hour goes by, and a mass procession arrives at the town home of House Lunari.
3: <laughs>
1: Silpha will come downstairs, all packed up, but having dressed herself immaculately, because we are headed to see my important family, and I am determined to impress them. Damn it. She looks even more put together than she did for her courting session with Lord Byron. Although the the costuming is different.
2: Probably a little more practical this time.
1: Practical and clothing that's a lot more similar to what her her mother might wear. There's actually like a a splash of color in her things and she's wearing her hair down (gasps) in a braid with a ribbon through it. Wow. Channeling a Luna moth.
0: As the procession pulls up, you note immediately that Lord Byron is staring at you. A row of about eight wagons pulls up. There's a house poor Nino guard on horseback riding alongside of it. It's attracted a lot of attention, as pretty much all the free people in the streets have sort of come out of their shops and businesses to stare at this. Several people are asking for context. No one is offering any. And your father comes walking up, basically drawn by all of this attention, back to his own house with a kind of confused look on his face. And Lady Mia comes out of one of the front wagons and points at your father and says, Hanzo, please come here. And your your dad walks up to the cart and she sort of whispers something in his ear and he turns and kind of shrugs and says, My princess. Yes, Papa? Would you be so kind as to escort Lady Miev to our country estate?
1: Yes, absolutely. I believe they shall be expecting us.
0: Ah, I'll come along tonight to check out this... Happenings. Please do. You know, if if you're bringing company, Gina might cater. That'll be that'll be wonderful. I'll fetch your mother and plan for a big buffet.
1: Save room. (laughs) And Papa, you know, I think that you should maybe you should start carrying both a, a silver rapier and like something made of iron. Those two materials can defend against nearly any creature. I mean, if one doesn't work, the other will.
0: Yes, well... Uh, okay, I'll take it under advisement, dear. And roll me insight, please. It's a 14. Your father seems abnormally nervous about your suggestion. In fact, it's incredibly rare for him to be nervous. He is a man in armor, made of armor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She'll place a hand on her shoulder and say to him, <laughs> Papa, I just... I've just been thinking of current events, and I want you to be able to defend yourself, and... Well... Whoever you would need to defend.
0: Uh, of course, darling. Yes, well, if you'll excuse me, the the city's in a bit of a kerfuffle. Uh, a
1: lot of things are happening all at once. I, I understand. I'll see you tonight.
0: Yes, indeed. Well, uh, and he gives you a little cheek kiss and then turns to uh, shout at someone for getting too close to the uh, parade procession.
1: Oh, Papa, you should know. While I was down by the docks earlier, I heard the most terrible thing.
0: Um. Uh, w- w- what's that, dear?
1: <laughs> Philip, the fishmonger, was telling me that in his younger days, when he was in school, he was bullied quite a lot, and he said he was the halibut of everyone's jokes.
0: Oh, darling, you had me right on the hook for that one.
1: <laughs> She'll give him a kiss on the cheek and run off. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Is there anything you'd like to do on your two-hour walk out to your family estate?
1: I, I think she's going to be pretty quiet and staying close to the Lady Miev and listening to the Lady Miev discuss anything the Lady Miev feels comfortable publicly talking about, like laying out plans for how things will go down or that kind of thing. I imagine she's curious about, like, Silva's plan to get this necklace, anything.
0: In your possession is a heart of stone, a heart of life, and a heart of cold or frost. So as you're sitting down in the front wagon, Skrix kind of gets up into your face and says, "Silva, Silva. most of these powerful objects are in this cart. I
1: am aware, Skrix. I think we need to be discreet about it.
0: Hmm. Well, there are all kinds of spirits trailing us. This is going to be exciting. I don't know what you're doing, but we should definitely do more of it. (laughs) And Miev, who is sitting right next to you, looks over and says, Uh, Skrix, are we doing something dangerous?
1: Skrix informs me that there is such a confluence of power in this very wagon that, well, the spirits are excited.
0: Huh. Well, if we had more time to research, I'm sure we could find a way to make this happen with less power, but this is what we have to to do the job with. And Skrix says, oh, I'm sure you'll be fine. They're not after you.
1: What? Are they after, if they're after anything, Skrix? Or are they just drawn to?
0: Well, I mean, they're drawn to power. Uh, if you were to put the power in something, they would be drawn to that thing. But, oh. you know, spirits of power, they tend to try to claim power over things. It's what they do.
1: I was hoping you meant that they were drawn to certain things as embodiments or representations of that power.
0: Well, they can be. Scrick sort of hunkers down on your shoulder and says, Well, it... How to describe it. Birds of a feather flock together. And you have all of the feathers. Almost. Well, this will be fun. And Miev says, we should talk more about this somewhere else. And you have a very quiet cart ride.
2: Yeah, I think she's moving a little slow because she's got some bruised ribs. But when she gets to town,
0: she's going to try to stop in at Thalia's. So when you get back, there is a a wagon with giant hulking green arms sticking out from under a tarp. <laughs> and you know Silfa must have been at the Apothecary. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, two, two troll bodies have just arrived, and uh, Thalia's out front unloading them.
2: Jalen will walk up and say, uh, Hi, Thalia, I seem to have caught you at a busy time.
0: Oh, yes, just a, you know, special delivery.
2: Is it a bad time to pick up a few things? Oh, no, no.
0: I always have time for business. Come on in, right. come on in. And She will follow her in, put a hand
2: involuntarily to her ribs, and then take it away again and say, I wondered if I could
0: buy a few more healing
2: potions.
0: Uh, of course, darling. Shall I put them on your family account? No,
2: I'll pay for them now.
0: Oh, my. Yes, well. And uh, she pulls out three healing potions and sets them and, on the counter. And uh,
2: maybe three
0: antitoxins. And she pulls out three of those.
2: And Thalia, I I wondered, at one point you sold my friend Silpha some medicinal doses. Was that all that you had?
0: I'm afraid it was, darling. I don't keep much on hand. They're rather dangerous. And when I do keep them, they're very sealed.
2: It will be a bit less dangerous now to have that for what it's worth.
0: um, I'll keep that in mind. She looks a little confused and says, "Are you hurt, dear?"
2: <sighs> Only my heart i uh, <laughs> i i i I was involved with the mason skirmish last night i I recognize the um body parts you have outside, actually. Oh, So it, it's nothing. I'll, I'll get over it.
0: Ah, I'm pleased you survived. Here are your potions and a, a little present for you. And she kind of rubs her hands together and casts a cure light wound spell on you. Oh. You heal a mighty nine hit points.
2: But now she is not hurt at all. Thalia, thank you.
0: Oh, any time, dear. I just didn't want you to spend your good money on these lovely portable creations when you have perfectly good me here. <sighs>
2: You are a perfectly good youth, Alia. Thank you.
0: Yes, well, I try, dear. And she, like, her little fox ears, like, twitch Aww. at you. Aww.
2: Jalen's skin will fade and come back. <laughs> <Aww. That's
0: laughs> and then cute. she
2: will leave there and head for Silfa's house the the townhouse.
0: When you arrive at the townhouse, Mrs. Lunari is just getting back.
2: Hi, Mrs. Lunari.
0: No answer at the door, huh? No,
2: I, I guess. I assumed we were all meeting here, but maybe not. Maybe I Mm. had that wrong.
0: Well, I'm afraid Sylva's probably not here, and I'm under strict orders not to tell anyone where she went, so...
2: Oh, I I know where she went. Have you... Well, you just got here. You don't know if Sable's been by here or not.
0: Uh, oh dear. You know, it's not my place to gossip. (laughs) But
2: <laughs> Jalen gives her a look with a capital side eye.
0: <laughs> but, just between you and me and this wall here, well, your friend Sable just got ousted from her house. Uh, what? She, yes, she's no longer the Baroness. Apparently... Is she okay? Um, well, when I left, she was fine. Apparently, a, uh, a 240-some year old druid of House Varathy came out of the Thorns last night, and well, the laws are very clear. Uh, Oldest living direct relative claims heritage first. and Or oh, frankly, it sounds like she also has the ability to feed a large number of people, which is very important because another 200 or so people came out with her. Jalen is just wearing a blanket look of confusion. <laughs> anyway, uh, the good news is there wasn't really much of a power struggle at all, so she's probably fine. Uh,
2: okay. All right. Do you mind if I wait here a little bit to see if she comes here?
0: No, I don't mind at all. Come in, darling. Uh, Tell me about how your sister's doing. You know, I haven't seen her since we had perfected that hip swish motion.
2: Ah, she's been a little under the weather. Oh, That's terrible. And at this point, Jalen is going to remember she has a message for Jessica from Faust that she hasn't looked at yet. And she's going to pull that out of her pocket and look at it real quick.
0: It says, "Hey, you look pretty hot. Want to go on a date, <laughs> Faust?"
3: Oh my God! <laughs> Jalen
2: blinks at that. She says, "Uh, Mrs. Lenari, do you do you have an envelope and some sealing wax?" Of
0: course. She brings you to the side study just off the main entryway, and there are envelopes and sealing wax and anything else you want. All right.
2: Yep. She is going to put it in an envelope and seal it. She's going to wax it without an actual seal and write Jessica's name on it and drop it with the Lunari outgoing mail.
0: Okay. So Mrs. Lunari comes back in with basically a tray of, of food she's thrown together from the kitchen.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: Yes, well, a good hostess must always do her duty.
2: I don't think you've ever been anything else, Mrs. Lunari.
0: Well, I try. Thank you so much. Sometimes I worry about Sylpha, though. She seems so preoccupied with her books.
2: You could think of it as her being hospitable
0: to knowledge.
1: <laughs> I love yes! Jalen, I love you!
0: <laughs> Good point, dear. <laughs> and she sits down and says, So, how are things going with this Lin character?
2: Uh... Very
0: prestigious family. Yeah,
2: they are. They're a lovely family, I think. I think they're going well. I think... She pauses for a second and kind of looks distant. And she comes back and says, we've uh, decided to take things down a notch from formal arrangements, maybe. Mm. And... I think the kingdom's in trouble, Mrs. Lenari, and our attentions are about to be demanded in many different places.
0: Oh uh, well, it is true that tensions are getting significantly higher, but I can assure you that within the kingdom, things have not started to fray just yet.
2: You don't think?
0: <sighs> well... I can tell you that, um, she looks around real quick and then says, Most of the ways in which the nobles strike at each other have become unavailable, as I'm sure you are aware. She nods. Certain services are no longer available for purchase, etc. And as a result, things are, well, not calm, but certainly not escalating either. So, all right, Jalen, I'm going to give you some political advice here. Okay. This is sort of a trade secret, if you will, so try not to spread it around, but Lord Mentor's primary goal is to ensure that no one ever, ever worships the Fairy Queen again. He disappears any knowledge of her he can find, and whenever she does something bad, he takes credit for it whenever possible. He's not able to do that right now. She's been too... Dramatic. She has been that. As a result, he's not playing his typical role, and so pressure's on as all of the houses come together to demand he reinstate order. The good news is it's somewhat of a unifying effect. Most of the houses are, well, upset.
2: They are that.
0: But at him, and not each other. Which is just how he likes it.
2: Uh, Mrs. Linari, it seems like Lord Mentor's control depends on nothing changing. What happens when everything changes?
0: Well, Jalen, I don't mean to burst your bubble, because it, the ideal idealism of youth is wonderful and all, but um, I've been on this earth for nearly 40 years, and I have to tell you, it's not changing.
2: Mrs. Lenari, like, three houses have been attacked in as many days.
0: Yes. True. But... This isn't the first time we've had spats with creatures from the Thorns. It is the first time they've been this coordinated, but I'll be honest, the signs point to them being, well, isolated incidents. There's no evidence that they are connected, and until there's evidence that they're connected, I really... I think this is over.
2: Jalen opens her mouth to say something and then stops and says, and she nods slowly and says, you're uh, you're probably right.
0: You're, you're getting the impression Vanessa Lunari's specialty is human politics.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I understand why Sylph is so frustrated by you sometimes. <laughs> I think Jalen's also, because Mrs.
2: Lunari has an enigmatic bent and i think Jalen recognizes that that she talks around issues that she knows a lot more about than she lets on mm-hmm. but she's Jalen also doesn't want to let on everything she knows so she's going to let it be and the matter i suppose <laughs>
0: Today's Animal Facts are brought to you by the Duck-Billed Platypus. Body like an otter, bill and wed feet like a duck, tail like a beaver. Why have we not done such a weird animal before now? Well, better late than never. This critter is from Eastern Australia and is about 20 inches long, weighing in at about 3 pounds. While this creature is a mammal, it's one of only two mammals that lay eggs, called monotremes. Monotremes are the only mammals with an animal power called electroreception. Or the ability to sense the electrical field created by other animals' muscle movements and actually hunts underwater with its eyes, ears, and nose closed. The male of this species has a spur on its hind foot, which is venomous and pretty painful to humans, and created by the platypus's own immune system. The venom is strong enough to kill things about the size of a dog, and the venom is strongest during the breeding season. The platypus also has double cone eyes, which are more similar to a fish than a typical mammal. The platypus is a predator that eats mostly shrimp and worms, but it's small enough to be hunted by most other critters, notably the crocodile. They have pouches in their cheeks that they use to carry food around to eat in safer locations. It's nocturnal for the most part, and nests in burrows in the riverbank, and spends most of the day in the water. During the mating season, females dig an extensive 60-foot burrow and lay between one and three eggs a year. After about ten days, these eggs hatch, and the female nurses them. Interestingly enough, they don't have teats, because that would not be helpful for a duckbill. They essentially leak milk from mammary glands in their chests that basically looks like they're sweating milk. They can live about 12 years in the wild, and uh, one other weird fact, they have quasi-retractable claws that let them move around on land. Okay, let's get back to it.
3: I'll rest at tree, and then, again, turn into something. A horse will probably be the easiest. I'll get there faster than with anything else.
0: In the hour you are resting at tree, you hear, because it's only about 100 feet or so of thorns between you and the part where there are not thorns, you hear what you think are thorn cutters. But they're, they're starting to make a lot more noise than thorn cutters usually do, and there's some some sounds of burning on the edge of the thorns. That somebody is doing some work that is much more extensive than normal, about 100 feet from you.
3: Well, I definitely want to know what's going on here, but I'm I definitely would take a peek, which means turning into a horse isn't going to be it. But can I see anything that's going on from where I am?
0: So, the thorn wall is probably nine feet high and awful, so I, you can just walk through it. you could roll stealth to slip up on it. you could turn into an animal, and
3: yeah, is there fire? Did you say
0: you hear crackling and burning noises. I mean, you're basically in a forest with a you can't see the smoke essentially, but yeah, I think you can start to smell it
3: okay, now I'm worried about tree. I got it, I gotta go look, so I'll turn into something relatively innocuous but with claws so like you know i'm thinking i don't know do we have american badgers or english badgers here
0: you turn into a badger
3: yeah so i'm making my way through the thorns to see what the hell's going on
0: roll me stealth you slip up to the edge of the thorn line and you can see someone is cutting essentially a 10 foot wide path through the thorns directly towards tree you see master Wu and about four people that look like they're sort of half dressed as thorn cutters but they've They've got weapons, not like tree-cutting axes or anything, but weapons, and Master Wu is guiding this sort of ball of fire through the thorns as they are hacking away at it. Mm. They've only made about 15 feet of progress. It's going to be slow going, but they will probably cut their way to tree here. Pretty quickly. Roll me Arcana. Ooh, okay.
3: Ooh, I, I rolled a natural twenty.
0: Okay, so on Master Wu's back is a uh, elaborate backpack filled with unguents and various spellcasting activity things and pieces of an altar. It's all of the content you would need to cast a very powerful spell. And with a mm-hmm. twenty, you recognize the reagents as a reincarnate spell. That would be the spell that causes a dead person to come back to life in one of many D&D fantasy races.
3: Oh my god. What the hell, Master Wu? Well, I'm not going to wait for them to get there. Yeah, do they notice me?
0: So, Master Wu seems to look in your direction a few times, but you're back enough in the thorns that, like, it doesn't... He doesn't seem to be like, oh no, a badger.
3: I am... I'm not going to wait for them to get there, because I've I've got to... I've got to head out, and I don't recognize the people that he's got
0: with him, right? You can actually... Well, so roll me investigate to see if you recognize any of them. Okay. Or actually history would be more appropriate.
3: Uh, Twelve.
0: Twelve. You don't recognize them. You imagine they look familiar. They're probably people from town. Okay. But you don't know what their jobs are, their names, or anything.
3: All right, I'm going to take a chance, and I, I'm going to come out to where they are where there's a, an actual uh, place that they've they've cut through. Mhm. And probably d- appear behind them, that's probably the easier thing to do and turn back into sable and and call to him Master Wu.
0: Master Wu kind of spins around and his his concentration on the fireball, rolling sphere of fire, the flaming sphere goes out and it dissipates immediately. And the four guys that are cutting thorns sort of turn and look at you. And he says, Sable. What are you doing? I was going to meet you at the tree. I. But I guess this will have to do.
3: I see what you're carrying. What's your plan?
0: Oh, I'm afraid it'll take too long to explain it and Yennefer will find out. And then he goes to cast a spell. Please roll initiative. God damn it.
3: Damn it, damn it, damn it. I rolled an 18 with my dex, it's a 20.
0: Master Wu gets an 18, and the thugs get a 6. Okay. So Master Wu is casting a spell. He has not explained himself. What are you doing?
3: Can I tell if it's an attack spell?
0: So a thundercloud 100 feet above him is forming?
3: The kind of thundercloud I called down?
0: Yeah, I think this is a spell you know.
3: Yeah, I'm disappearing into the... Thorns then.
0: You dart into the thorns.
3: Yeah, there's there's no way that I'm gonna let him I don't know if he's calling lightning on me, but I'm just not gonna give him the chance. I'm thinking that he'll assume that I head toward tree, so I will head sideways from there and get, you know, as far away as I can.
0: As far as way as you can is sixty feet.
3: Yeah. I'm assuming he's gonna try and attack me. I would assume he's gonna call lightning down on tree.
1: Like a natural lightning strike, convenient. Um.
2: Mhm. I bet Tree's gonna react. Like, oh, I'm okay, sorry, I'm engaged. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I want to know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, me too.
3: I'm also afraid he's gonna attack Tree, but he's not within sixty feet of Tree right we're now. We're gonna find out. I we're gonna find it. out
0: if Tree can defend itself. Mm. Master Wu calls down lightning, kind of randomly, in the direction you went. There's no danger of it hitting you because he 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 literally cannot see you, yeah, but I rolled him a luck dice, he got an eighteen, a twenty would have actually possibly hit you, so really, about about fifteen feet from you, lightning strikes the thorns, and you've never tried striking the thorns with lightning before, but they seem to absorb it and then grow rapidly, <sighs> like they've been. Given a shot of adrenaline.
3: Oh, good God.
0: Basically, out from the thorns in about a 30-foot radius, they just tangle and explode almost as they become extremely robust.
3: Wow. All right.
0: You are now in difficult terrain. Basically, they're not going to stop you. You're just moving at half speed Yep. for about 15 to 30 feet before you can get free of them. But you're, you are out of lightning range if you move again on your turn. Yeah. The thugs for their turn don't, they're, they're not going to run into the thorns.
3: I'm not going to attack back when I don't know what he's doing. I'm keeping a distance from him and from them that is far enough that he can't attack me. And, you know, kind of trying to move out of the difficult terrain. Okay. And staying within earshot. I'm not calling out because I don't want him to know where I am. I have no idea what his plan is. So I'm going to watch for at least one more round.
0: Basically, a, a lightning strike causes some, some significant noise as the sort of thunder rolls over Varathi, and the four thugs and Master Wu are very quiet, but you, you can't really see them from where you are.
3: So six seconds pass, and he doesn't do anything, and I can't hear him. Am I smelling burning still?
0: No, the thorns seem to have recovered for the most part. There's a little smoke in the air from earlier, but it's mostly gone.
3: Just gonna like, be really blunt. Are you attacking me, Master Wu?
0: There is no response. Six more seconds go by.
3: I'm going to get closer. Okay. Basically, if Conjure Animals summons face spirits to take the form of beasts and appear in unoccupied spaces that you can see within range.
0: We actually don't know if the conjured animals mutate or not.
3: Yeah. No, well, they're fey spirits. They're not actually animals. Yep. He's making the DM face. Uh-huh.
0: Yep. Yeah, I am.
3: <laughs> so, and they are friendly to me and my companions, and they obey verbal commands that I issue to them. I'm going for wolves.
0: Wolves? Yeah, pretty type. simple
3: thing to for me to turn into, like, he might assume that one of them is me. So. That's good. How many wolves do I get?
0: You get eight of them. Nice.
3: Do I see them start to mutate?
0: Let's say there's 50-50, because they are fae in the Fairy Mm -hmm. Queen's territory. There's a 50% chance that they are immune.
3: Cross your fingers for me, friends!
0: So two of them essentially start to mutate. The rest of them are fine.
3: Alright, so one of them that's fine, I am going to send the direction that I know that Master Wu is, and I'm just going to say, you know... Go that way and find the people.
0: So, yeah. A wolf goes out that way, and there's no...
3: They don't there's attack There's no
0: noise it. or response. Nothing is attacked. There's nothing for the wolf to attack.
3: All right, I'm going to dismiss the two that are mutating, because I don't want to hurt them, basically. And the other five are coming with me, and I'm going straight back towards Master Wu. And I'm going to see if he tries to attack me. I'm going to go back out and make a show of the fact that I have things to protect me.
0: The 10, 15-foot burnt, 10-foot wide hole in the thorns is still there, but there's no people here.
3: Then I'm not tremendously far from Tree.
0: Nope. I'm going back there. So you go 90 feet back to Tree. Are they there? Nope.
3: Damn it. I'm waiting, then.
0: Just a little bit. Okay. How long? About 5-10 minutes go by, and you can definitely hear Yennefer's voice. Like, you recognize... She is out there.
3: This is just weird, right? It's not just me that is weirded by this, right? I mean, I'll point out that
2: Wu apparently doesn't want Yennefer to know what he's up to. Yeah. You could go out there and tell her something's going on.
3: Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. But...
2: But, yeah,
0: it's it's pretty suspicious.
3: I'm just asking Tree, are you okay? Did anything happen to you?
0: So Tree very slowly says... No, but I believe this is that thing you asked me about. You know, war.
3: Between Master Wu and the Fairy Queen?
0: My understanding is that they have been at war with the Fairy Queen for a hundred years.
3: I see. Can you protect yourself if they come for you?
0: Who would come for a tree, Sable?
3: Master Wu, the head druid of the Circle of the Land, asked me to cut you down. Hmm.
0: Well, I am here to serve man, and that is my purpose. And I guess if I outlive it, they'll cut me down. But I have no defenses. I am a tree.
3: I'm just going to nod and kind of like steal myself and go back out and find Yennefer.
0: Okay, so when you get near the edge of the thorns, but before you've revealed yourself, you can tell there are a lot of people out there now.
3: I'm not stepping out of the thorns. I'll have to send a message to her. I can't step out of the thorns with that many people out there. I'd take a risk if it was just Jennifer, but... I gotta get to town then. I mean, it's like... Close... Luckily I stopped him. At this point, at least I think. And... Yeah, I've I, I just got to get to town.
0: Okay, what is your get to town strategy? Because you have a Master Wu somewhere.
3: I don't know where, though.
0: Yep, that's why <laughs> I need to know your strategy for getting back to town.
3: Well, I can take a, a, a shortcut through the thorns.
0: So, two choices. You can either roll me survival to leave in a defensive way without being observed, or you can roll me stealth.
3: Uh, survival, for sure. Seventeen.
0: Okay, you plot a course that takes you out at a very unobservable point and you can get to town without being ambushed or harassed.
3: And then I will head to the Lunari estate.
0: When you knock, Mrs. Lunari throws the door open and says, Oh, Sable! Pleasure to meet you, darling. Uh, Again, welcome to your newfound status as a (laughs) <laughs> uh are you going with free person now or still a House of Arathi member?
3: I, I don't know. Oh,
0: neither do I. Come on in.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Well, when Sable comes in,
2: Jalen will stand up and say, Are you okay?
3: <laughs> so kinda of look at you, you can see under the mask that or the stuff that she's wearing that her she smiles a little bit and sa- and glances at Miss Lunari and then back at you and i say, and says, I I take it you've heard.
2: A bit. You got unseated.
3: Yes, yes, by a woman who is 250 years my senior. So It's hard to argue with. Yeah, uh, her name is Yennefer, and there's, there's, there's plenty of other reasons for me not to stay at the Verathia State right now. Are we planning to travel immediately?
2: I think we should head that way, yeah.
3: Um, I might be able to make our travel a little faster if you give me a little bit of a rest. It'd give us a chance to catch up as well, all right,
0: so you guys have some lovely hors d'oeuvres, yeah, Miss cool. Linari comes in and out of the room periodically to check yeah. on you and offers you some some mead and talks through some of the the lovely who's dating who gossip It's all people you don't know about or care about, but you uh you probably make the She didn't at about the right moments, and Mm -hmm. it's mildly amusing gossip.
3: We know Ms. Lunari pretty well,
2: so in the midst of all that, because we're probably not going to talk about anything important among ourselves while Mrs. Lunari is in and out, but Jalen is going to give Sable a frenemic signal of something happened.
3: I will give a full account of what happened at court, right? Okay, to Jalen, I'll explain the whole thing to her. And, and how it went down, including Yennefer calling off the courting between uh, Alan and Harriet.
2: Jalen's eyes look at huge and be like, yeah. holy shit.
3: Yeah. And uh, she said that was as blunt as I just made it sound. Wow. Was he mad? I think so. He looked fairly angry. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Is is Mrs. Lunari in the room for this?
3: Oh, I'd let her be, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she would love the gossip.
2: In light of the conversation Jalen just had with Mrs. Lunari, she will glance her way and say, nothing's
3: changing, huh?
0: He was absolutely going to take complete control of House Varathy. You know that, right?
3: Well, that was his attempt, of course.
0: Yes, now he can't. So, good news, he can probably get a better deal somewhere else. Faust poor nino would probably be the next best thing, and then followed shortly by probably a prolonged Friker's marriage contract or a drury lord mentor is loath to add too much more power to the druries they don't display their wealth but they are probably wealthier than lord mentor
2: well food supply okay well sable that's um that's huge
3: mhm it is
2: what are they going to do with all the people who came out of the thorns?
3: Feed them, and the rest of it is none of my business. I guess point. not. Is that a relief? I would like to say that it is, but I don't know if I'm safe. We'll see. Well, we are about to be out of reach, both of
2: us, and I think that might be the best thing.
3: I, I hope so. Anyway, I've, I've rested. Do, do you want to head off?
0: The entourage arrives at the base of a big hill. How about, Julie, do you want to describe what the heck does the whole country estate look like?
1: So when the kind of caravan pulls up to the Lunari country estate, there is an enormous three-story manor house made of stone surrounded by a kind of low stone-cut fence, and it's overlooking... Orchards of fruit trees. There's some buildings in the distance that are for storage. The house itself is probably about 150 years old. And when it was constructed, I imagine it was quite scandalous. Like, oh, the Miehams have let the nouveau riche build upon our land. And what's next, public schools? What's becoming of the kingdom? And because it is absolutely the house of a of merchant princes meant to display we have made this house out of the finest materials with the finest craftsmanship available because we can. We're rich, damn it. I'm rich beats So I am imagining that the estate itself is probably like a quarter of the size of any like average noble estate. Like it's still enormous and maybe even respectable by, by royal standards, but it's it's in no way the size of a, a noble estate. A low cut stone fence and a wrought iron gate that's opened from the inside, kind of with a decorative floral pattern, and the gate is operated by a crank on the inside. The gate is open currently. There's a pair of of trees just inside the gate, and The grounds are are landscaped immaculately with flowers, and you get the impression that everything about the estate breathes of someone who's really fastidious about order and organization. Everything is immaculately kept. But it is very busy. There are people moving all about. You can see in the distance people probably cleaning up after the storm, like assessing damage to the, the fruit trees and the apiaries. And... Everybody moves about with purpose, like they have a job to do. They will politely nod, but they don't stop their work.
0: All right. You stop at the basically the base of this manor house, and there's a bell on a post that is sort of the, the ring upon arrival bell. And Miev hops down and rings it. And then a few seconds later, there's a there's a ring from the top of the hill that kind of rolls out across the orchard and the procession starts moving forward. You spend another probably ten minutes slowly moving up this hill, and you arrive at the low wall, and as you round the low wall, there's this sort of circular wagon drive, so you can kind of pull in, pull around, and the whole procession loads its way in. The one thing that is out of place that has has not seen here before is there's two big carts, and written across one of them is uh, Hans's mom's catering. <laughs> 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 and you can see basically cooking workers, like, pulling stuff out of the back of the wagon and running them in. But other than that, it's about how you'd expect. If you had pulled up to a royal place, there would have been a line of servants waiting. There is not here. Instead, Gina and Melisse Lunari are standing by the front door Melise Lunari is like a professionally dressed woman in the medieval equivalent of a pantsuit. She looks very serious. And next to her is a very burly woman dressed, well, like a carpenter.
1: The doors of the house are these very heavy, ornately carved wooden doors, and they have essentially the crest of the Lunari family carved into them. There's some kind of of SHIELD with four insects, butterfly, an ant, a bee, and a moth. And then at the top of the shield is kind of a crescent moon lying on its side. It's a depiction of a crescent moon shaped coin, and there's an inscription upon it. To the eyes of anyone reading it, it's a foreign script, fairly strange inscription. But Silpha will immediately jump from the cart she is riding in, and with the Lady Miev at her side, she will curtsy to her aunts and introduce to the Masons my aunt Melise Malunari and her wife Gina.
0: The Masons sort of pour out of their carts. The Miev family immediately starts pulling carts around to the back of the house. You imagine those are the ones holding, you know, hearts of things Parts of golems, but the distraction's pretty good because the masons are here in their in all of their royal finery, and the conversation immediately shifts from like thank yous and thank yous to business as Melise Lunari shifts the conversation to essentially what am I going to get for putting you up here? Of course. Mm. Lord Mason sort of takes the the lead in this negotiation and they agree to a set of favors to be delivered upon at at another time and that seems to be good enough and the Masons are actually taken around the main house to a kind of like storage cottage almost like a summer cottage almost. A
1: carriage house.
0: Yeah, a carriage house. And they're loaded in. It is... Not big enough for all of them, but they're piling into it. Beggars can't be choosers, and in they go.
1: I think Silpha would offer that the bulk of the Mason family can stay in the carriage house, and there are a few guest rooms in the house in which the Lord and Lady Mason and Margaret Mason, Byron and his children, can stay in the house proper.
0: And it's very clear that Byron is a favorite in this pronouncement, but everybody seems to ignore that. And this whole process of getting out of the carts and unloading things and getting people situated takes a couple of hours. It's still going on when Sable and Jalen arrive. And that is our episode. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, or share us with your nerdy friends. We get really excited when we get reviews, and we would also like nerdy friends too. Also, we have recorded through the end of book one at this juncture, and depending on how the editing goes, that's probably like four episodes left, maybe. But never fear, we are already recording book two. Stick with us. What's going on with Master Wu? Will Sable lose her mind over a second assassination attempt? What will Jalen's next move be if she can't go home? Let's party like a Lunari, next time on Carrots and Suffering, a DD and d Odyssey.
1: turn into a bird or do you not
0: have flight yet not
3: okay.
1: yet
0: yeah she can only turn into land birds <laughs> and an yeah. emu is pretty
2: pretty you know, it's pretty conspicuous
0: yeah